This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Good morning, Bucknutters. Welcome to the Bucknuts Morning 5 here on Friday, November 19th, 2021. I am Dave Biddle. I'm very happy to be joined by Jonah Booker for his usual Friday visit. Let's start right at the top. Ohio State, Michigan State, high noon at the horseshoe tomorrow, Jay Book. What's your vibe on this game? Yeah, I'm going into this game very confident. I think Ohio State right now, they're looking like they have an offense that will not be stopped by Michigan State if you're looking at the Vegas line. Ohio State by 19, 20, depending on where you're looking at. So Vegas thinks that this is a matchup here where Ohio State should run away with it. I look at this, Dave, as a style type of fight. Michigan State has one of the worst passing defense, well, the worst passing defense in all of college football against the number one passing attack. And you look at what they're what they're doing on that side of the ball, they're giving up, you know, almost 443 yards in the month of November alone. So that right there bodes well for what Ohio State likes to do. Hopefully, you know, the weather's nice there come Saturday kickoff. But right now, and I think C.J. Stroud has an opportunity to throw for 400 yards. If Michigan State has a chance, they're going to have to establish the run game, slow the game down. If they can't do that, this game could get out of hand. As you mentioned, Ohio State favored by 19. Let's get down to brass tacks. Give me a final score prediction. Does Ohio State cover that 19-point spread? I have this game, Ohio State, uh, 56, Michigan State, 31. I do think Michigan State's going to be able to score. Mel Tucker's going to pull out every stop. He's going to he's known for his trick plays, um, the, the laterals and everything that he does. I just think that Michigan State with Walker, they're going to get theirs, but their defense is terrible. They're going to get punched in the mouth. They've given up 69 plays of 15-plus pass yards so far this season. And with them, their specialty is playing off coverage. That's going to be a recipe for disaster. They have two offensive linemen that were hurt. So we'll see if they're uh, going to be playing against uh, Ohio State. One of their other top wide receivers, his hand was in the cast from the Michigan game. They're going to need him. I think Peyton Thorne is a good good quarterback. He does well more with the play action. But Ohio State's defense, I think they're going to be able to slow Walker down enough, get the offense some uh, more possessions. I would not be surprised if you see a situation where Ohio State jumps out four, four drives, four touchdowns, and get hot, and then kind of take their foot off the gas as they get ready for Michigan next week. I also have a very high-scoring game here. I, have, I thought I was going to be more high-scoring than you. I have 52-31 to 31 Ohio State. Ohio State 52, 
Michigan State 31, so I have the Buckeyes barely covering the spread. I mean, I, at first I thought that was a high spread, but as you mentioned, man, this is not a good matchup for Michigan State when they're they're terrible against the pass and Ohio State is elite passing the football. So I have Ohio State 52-31. The thing is, the good thing is they don't even need style points. Just survive in advance. So I, I'll, I'll take a, a last-second field goal. Well, I don't want a last-second field goal. That'd give me a heart attack probably, but uh, <laughs> hopefully a nice, comfortable victory like we, we are predicting uh, will come to fruition. All right, uh, let's get into some more uh, interesting stuff here. <laughs> Jameson Williams, our guy Jamo, um, he saw the writing on the wall, and I, I feel like fans, for the most part, wished him well. They kind of wish he didn't go to Alabama, but everybody understood. It wasn't like he transferred to Michigan or something like that, although right now you could argue Bama's a bigger rival than Michigan. Probably not a good time to say that with Michigan looming next week um, and them looking good this year. But seriously, Alabama, uh, a lot of Ohio State fans would have said during the offseason that the, Bama's the biggest threat to Ohio State and I think you and I both said that and I feel like Ohio State for the most part uh fans were you know did not disown JAMA they they kind of treated him about as well as you could expect when he transferred to Alabama yet he came out famously said a couple days ago that the Buckeye fans disowned him kind of took a couple more shots at Ohio State uh what'd you make of uh, JAMA lashing out like that I'm I'm not surprised if you look at his father's comments after the transfer he was kind of out of line talking about uh, the culture, uh, favoritism, putting other players' names up there that could potentially transfer, which was totally uh, not something that you would want to see from a player's parents. But, you know, you Ohio State fans, you have your segment that I've seen have gotten into it with the father on social media. But for the most part, as you mentioned, I think most people wish them well. I know there's been a lot of debate amongst Ohio State fans if Ohio State really utilized his skill set properly. And most most fans, I think, recognize that it was the best business decision for him to go to Alabama. He's being featured on, you know, a top five team. He's he I can tell you right now, Dave, if he'd have stayed at Ohio State, Mel Kuyper would not have him as one of the top or the top wide receiver to go into the draft. That's just the bottom line. Now if Ohio State fans are saying things to him, you know, in social media aspects, I don't know. But I just think that most Ohio State fans, one, say, hey, wish, I wish you luck. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm sad that it's Alabama. But you also had the segment say, well, you're the fourth best wide receiver here, so I understand. So it's kind of – I can kind of see where his feelings may have been hurt. But I don't think Ohio State fans were over the top, you know, disowning him. Most Ohio State fans recognized that it was a smart business decision. No doubt about it. I, I don't, the timing was very weird for him to lash out like that. And frankly, now Ohio State fans that wished him well or maybe were indifferent, you know, didn't wish him well, didn't wish him, you know, didn't wish bad things upon him. I think now Ohio State fans, he ticked them off and, you know, nobody wishes him well now. Um Certainly not if the Buckeyes play. Of course, that was always going to be the case if the Buckeyes played them. Speaking of wide receivers and the guys that would have been ahead of Jamison Williams, I mean, these guys are on the verge of breaking an all-time Big Ten record. There's never been a trio of receivers on the same team to reach 1,000 receiving yards in the same year. And Ohio State, they are on the verge of doing that. Jackson Smith and Jigba has already crossed the 1,000-yard mark this year. Garrett Wilson uh, needs less than 200 yards to do it. Chris Olave needs just a little bit more than 200 i mean man if they play 14 games which it's shaping up like they will 
they're going to get this done if they if they stay healthy and just they just need Garrett Wilson and Olave now. Um, that's pretty impressive. Ohio State's never had two receivers reach a thousand yards in the same season. They're going to have three this year, most likely. And again, the first time in Big Ten history. It's pretty incredible. It, it's remarkable. And I tell you, Dave, if this was the NFL, I would love to have CJ Stroud and any of these wide receivers on my fantasy football team. <laughs> well, you can, <laughs> you can play to... college fantasy. I don't play it. Can, I should. I, I should. Yeah, I don't play it. Um, I'm, I'm always into the NFL, but that just tells you the type of video game numbers his offense is putting up. And uh, credit to these guys. I mean, it, it's a feather in the cap for Brian Hartline. You go on a recruiting trail and say, hey, you come to Ohio State, look what we've done. Three of our wide receivers were 1,000-yard wide receivers, and not a lot of places can point to it, uh, even the second guy being a 1,000-yard wide receiver. So it, it's a credit to the, the offense that they have. C.J. Stroud is having a remarkable year. I, I believe he'll be a Heisman finalist headed to New York with a legitimate shot coming up to actually win the Heisman, depending on how he plays these next several games. And the one surprising thing is, Chris Alave, you know, he's a Blitnikoff semifinalist, and in my opinion this year, he, he's been the third best wide receiver on the roster. So that just tells you how good these guys have performed. They're playing at a high level. Hopefully they all get to that 1,000-yard mark because they all deserve it. Uh, I think that the way things are trending right now, Ohio State offense can pretty much pick their poison when it comes to which guy they want to go to. And I thought something that Ryan Day said was really fascinating this week. One of the things he said is he's telling C.J. Stroud not to force the ball to any one particular guy, but just continue to throw to the open man. And that's what you want to see out of your young quarterback. Uh, you don't want him to have to say, hey, I need to get this guy his yard so they stay, stay happy. And it's a testament to those guys because in the locker room, they're not, you know, being a diva. They're not putting the pressure on C.J. to say, hey, I need the ball or I was open. It's just, hey get open and I'll find you. And that type of rhythm and harmony from your quarterback in the wide receiver, wide receiver room, it can create magic. And that's what you're seeing right now. We're living in a bizarre wide receiver world this year where Jamison Williams is ranked as the number one wide receiver uh, projected in the 2022 NFL draft, as you mentioned by Mel Kuyper and Jackson Smith and Jigba and Garrett Wilson are not even semi-finalists for the Bolitnikoff award. Um, and they're the two best receivers at Ohio State this year. It's, it's insane. Um, they needed the bullet in the cough. I get you can't have all three, maybe. I, I mean, really, you should have. Uh, they needed to find a way to at least get two on there. Yeah. I mean, absolutely I ridiculous. I, I, I tell you what about Jamison, though, Dave, and it's ironic. I've watched a lot of Alabama games. If you shut Jamison down, that passing offense greatly suffers because he is their go-to guy, and he's the, he's the big play guy that gets them out of trouble. Um, he's the yak guy for, for Bryce Young. So if, uh, all, if a defense can figure out a way to slow him down, they can, they can beat Alabama uh, with that passing attack because it, it's efficient, but it's definitely not a explosive as Ohio State. Jamma has also returned a few kicks for touchdowns this year. I mean, the dude's having a great yeah. year. There's no doubt about that's, it. We always saw the talent. I mean, I'm not yeah. shocked by it. Yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, and that's one of the things why – I, I always say I felt like Ohio State didn't utilize him properly. Like you see what he's doing in the return game at Alabama, and he was by far the fastest top-end speed guy at Ohio State. And you have to wonder, like, how come you guys have never really utilized him 
uh, truly in the kickoff return in the punt game, even though Emeka is, has been magnificent. But I just look back at, you know, throughout his career at Ohio State, I think that could have been a nice little role for him to really keep him happy if he's out there in the return game. Yeah, I love Emeka, but, you know, to your point, I mean, Emeka wasn't even here yet. Why Why wasn't Jamo being used as a kick returner and or punt returner while he was here? Um, that's a big mystery. I love Garrett Wilson. Garrett Wilson's really not that good as a punt returner. He goes east-west too much. Jackson Smith and Jigba is a better punt returner, in my opinion. Uh, and But JSN isn't a burner. Um, yeah, I have no idea why they didn't use Jamison Williams as a kick returner and a punt returner while he was here. Uh, all right, a couple more things to get into. Three specific things. All right. Jay Book, which offensive line are we going to see these next two weeks? I mean, they these guys have – I mean, Michigan State's defensive line is okay. It's it's certainly the strength of their defense is the front seven. You know, their secondary is the weakness. Um, Michigan's defensive line is really good. I'm sure we'll talk about that all next week. Um, specifically, Michigan's got two fantastic edge rushers. I think a lot of people wondered, is Aiden Hutchinson, is he overrated? Well, if you compare him to the Bosa brothers, he's overrated. But, man, I've watched them a lot this year. He's he's legit. And Ojogbo on that other side, man, he's listed as a linebacker, but he's really a D-end. He's legit. And Michigan actually has uh, a couple of good defensive tackles this year uh, with Mozzie Smith and uh, Hinton. Um so I'm concerned about that Michigan defensive line, but Michigan state also has a, a decent defensive line. So my question, sir, which Ohio state offensive line are we going to see the one that we thought was going to be dominant and has been at times this year, the one that struggled against Penn state and Nebraska. Yeah. Let's talk about the Penn state and Nebraska game. I was listening to Todd Furman's podcast out of Vegas and he was saying the word on the street, you know, we've heard mentions of it. Uh, from the players was Penn State and Nebraska had a beat on what Ohio State was doing. Basically, those uh, two teams, they were calling out Ohio State plays before it even happened. And if the defense has a beat on what you're doing, they are going to cause problems. Your running backs are going to be playing in the backfield. And then when the Purdue came, came around, uh, the word was that they kind of switched things up a lot. And it really threw Penn, uh, Purdue off on what they were trying to do because they were kind of trying to mimic what Nebraska and Penn State was doing. So if they was able to adjust to the other teams, you know, calling out the plays and having a beat on what they were doing, hopefully he continues to do that uh, against Michigan and Michigan State. Uh, Michigan's their front is outstanding. I know a lot of people, you know, like to shortchange and say, oh, you haven't played anybody, but you have to play who is in front of you. And if you're kicking the tail of the person across from you, then you're doing your job. And that's the, that's what you're seeing from the Michigan front. To me, I think the Ohio State offensive line, they know what's at stake. They know uh, how good they can be if they're dialed in. If they're not playing lazy, they're getting their pad levels low and they're firing off the football. When you have this much at stake, there's no room for, you know, lackadaisical play. And I think you're going to get a mean, nasty offensive line that is going to re- they're going to be ready to control the point of attack. And if Ohio State can mix up the run calls, I think it will bode well for them. No more running Travion Henderson in the back of Thayer Mumford or or um, you know the, the the other center and guard there. Get him on the outside. Get him on the perimeter. That's where Ohio State was is really killing teams is if they can get him out to that tackle off tackle and utilize the jet sweep. I thought it was critical in 
the uh, Purdue game to utilize those jet sweeps there because it kept the defensive ends from having to crash down. And you saw it from the Purdue guy. What did they do? Crash down, and they let him roam. They let him do that freely, and they were able to get around him and pick up huge chunks, big plays. You get that on film, it's going to create that little bit of hesitation from defensive ends going forward because they have to respect it now that they've seen it. Because if they don't, Ohio State can easily dial that up. But if they can continue to get Henderson on the perimeter, and I think that's where they really excel in the run game, then I think that's going to be uh, huge for this offensive line's confidence moving forward. When it comes to the pass blocking, those guys, they've been outstanding when it comes to pass blocking all year. Uh, there's, there's games where C.J. Stroud gets out of there with his jersey absolutely clean. I truly believe they'll be up to the test for Michigan, but first they need to make sure that they handle their business against Michigan State, which I think they will. A great point on the jet sweeps. If C.J. Stroud's not going to run the ball um, and not keep the defensive ends honest, that's a great way to do so is with the jet sweeps. Could not agree more. All right, Lathan Ransom uh, is a guy that I was high on coming into the year. I thought he uh, flashed as a true freshman last year, was playing in big games, was playing, you know, played a lot against Clemson. Um, you know, played, I, I believe also played a lot against Alabama. I, 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 for some reason, remember the Clemson game more, probably because I watched the replay like 10 times. I'm not even joking. Um, I did not replay the Alabama game once, but Lathan Ransom, my man is a guy that I, I was really high on coming into the year and has not been playing well this year until last week. He played great last week and they named him the defensive player of the game. So hopefully we're going to get that Lathan Ransom going forward. I really love what I saw last week. And obviously the coaches did too. Yeah, he, he's been inconsistent this year. You'll see him making plays and blow a coverage. It's kind of been the, the defense weak spot with him and Bryson Shaw back there. I truly believe that Latham would be better suited playing uh, the back end safety instead of Bryson. Um, but the coaches feel that he's better suited towards the line of scrimmage, and those guys are being paid the big bucks there. But they're going to need him with Ohio State running a lot of the four-two-five defense out there. He's one of the guys that they like to have being an eraser. Um, so for him, he just has to be consistent, be confident in your play, trust your eyes, read your keys. Uh, with these next couple games, you know, put that extra 20, 30 minutes in the film room, in the playbook, so that when you see a formation, you know what the tendencies are, you know what the probabilities are, if it's going to be a run or it's going to be a pass based off your film study. And the more that you prepare, the more comfortable that you get. And that that's some of the things that when you're a younger player, you don't really grasp it until, you, until you're in the system and you're in the college game for a longer period of time. But I would say build off this. You had a great game last week on the big stage. And if he can continue to parlay that into another big game coming up, I just think that that momentum can carry him. Because he, we all saw it last year. You mentioned the Clemson game. He played well in the Big Ten Championship last year as well. So it's there. The talent is there. I just think that it's a situation where he needs to believe what he can do and trust his eyes. That's the biggest thing with, when you're dealing with younger football players on the defense is trust your eyes and what you see because you, if you're prepared, you're going to be confident. Last thing, Jack Miller is back. He was suspended for a couple games, uh, got reinstated yesterday. Uh, got uh, what was initially going to be, and he was charged with OVI, operating a vehicle uh, while impaired. Used to be called a DUI, now it's called an OVI in Ohio. Uh, he got that reduced to a misdemeanor reckless op. Just will pay a fine of one hundred and fifty bucks. 
basically like, a, you know, just a little bit more than what a speeding ticket would be. And that's it. Misdemeanor. So he's back on the team. Hopefully they won't need him. <laughs> Hopefully they won't need him. That would mean that both CJ Stroud and Kyle McCord got hurt. But uh, still, you just never know. It's good to have Jack Miller back. Yep, it's good to have him back. And one of the reasons I think it's good to have him back is because they're trying to preserve the red shirt of Kyle McCord. And uh, he's right there on that cusp of playing four games. So if something happened, the question they have to ask is, do we feel that uh, Jack can get us out of a out of a bind without having to burn the red shirt of Kyle McCord? But as far as Jack and his actions, hopefully he learns from it. I know he's come from out here, uh, a really great family. Uh, so for him, it's a learning experience. You don't ever want to see your kids uh, on the football team getting that type of trouble. Uh, we all saw, you know, with the drinking and driving incident with Henry Ruggs out there. So it should be a wake-up call for everyone that it's unacceptable to drive, you know, even if you have one beverage. Call your teammate. Uh, call a coach, call somebody else, but call an Uber. Um, but I'm, I'm sure they teach those guys this type of stuff all the time within the meetings and the operations guy. But he he got it. He got his, uh, you know, fine paid. He's back on the team. Use it as a lesson learned and move forward. And hopefully he can c- continue to be uh, a contributor to this football team any way that they need him. So hopefully it's just a lesson learned from this guy and he'll be able to move forward in life. Very well said. He is Jonah Booker. Thank you very much, Jay Book. Thank you to our listeners out there for tuning in to the show. We appreciate that very much. Hope everyone has a great day and a great weekend. Let's hear that Buckeye swag, best damn band in the land. series evil returns we've already hunted werewolves and demons and now what a baby antichrist <laughs> prepare yourself you will not beat us for the end i have visions of hell make it stop make it shut up you're not gonna survive this evil the final season streaming may 23rd only on paramount plus